I absolutely love the creativity of this house, don't you? Yeah. I, I was in the middle of finishing up the message that I'm about ready to minister to you. Cassie sends me this email and says, hey, Dan, just want you to know we got this video we want you to look at so you're aware of what's going to happen. I'm glad she did that then because as I listened to it, by the time I was done, I was absolutely wrecked. I walked out of my office. I'm glad no one was at the house except for my cats. They thought I freaked out. I come walking out, tears coming down, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, that sick kind of cry. Oh, no, I guess they call it ugly cry. Yeah, it happened to me, but <clears throat> it's not on video. You're safe. <laughs> I'm safe. <laughs> we got all kinds of amazing activities that are happening at this house that we want to invite you to. Uh, we have some equipped classes that will be coming up next week uh, on the first uh, Sunday at 9 a.m. in the conference room uh, during first service. You can take the classes, become part of the team, and all the incredible things God is doing through HCC. Also, um, next Sunday is our 16th anniversary. We'll be celebrating with calorie-free donuts, and if you can believe that, just kidding. We want to invite you to participate in that. And then I also want to remind you, several weeks ago, our pastor had mentioned that we are considering a third service. How many of you remember that? Yeah, all those hands just volunteered. There you go, pastor. <laughs> uh, so the whole theme of this is serve one, sit one, right? Or serve two, sit one. We're good with that. Or serve, sit one, and serve two, whatever you want to do. But, you know, we want to go to this service. So I want you to continue to pray about that, that God will give our elders and pastors wisdom so that we approach this in a right way because we want to capture uh, that moment And because uh, our house is growing. Uh, people are getting excited about their faith. Isn't that cool? We're seeing so many people come to faith in Christ, so many people coming back. That's really amazing. So we're excited about that. Amen. Empowered to live in the in-between. I want you to take a look at this scripture with me. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And the word all in the Greek is all. It, it, it means all. And I know that's not an original, but I liked it, so I stole it. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now think about this. We're talking about the Word of God, the Bible, the one that you either have on your phone or you have on your lap right now, the Bible. The Word of God is something that we need to recognize. The enemy will do everything he can to keep you out of that book. Everything, up to and including the lie that constantly goes out there that, well, that book was written by men or probably lots of blah, 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 blah. And to me, that's all it is, is blah, 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 because it says here, all scripture. Now, let me just throw this out there for you. This is free. That is that if, if the God who is the creator of the universe has the ability to speak and it comes into existence, has the ability to, to create the human body and all of its intricate parts in detail the way he does, do you think that maybe he has the same power to get that word to you in a way it needs to get to you? 
Yes, he does. That's the God that we serve. So here it says all Scripture is inspired. Now, in the Message Bible, it says every part of Scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us up to live God's way through the word we are put together and shaped up for the task God has for us. But we got to get into it, don't we? We got to get into the word of God for the word of God to get into us so we can become who God's called us to be. That's the way it works. It always intrigues me when I say to someone, so when was the last time you got into the, to the word? And they go, anytime they do that, I know we're in trouble. They go, um, well, now that I think about it, What's the day today? It's, uh, Sunday. <laughs> yeah, it's Sunday. You're right. So I think it's somewhere around Christmas. Oh, my. So when was the last time you ate food? Well, this morning. Okay. So you probably should eat the meal of the Word the same way. We need it every day. We need the Word of God every single day so you know what you believe, you know why you believe it, and you know how you can be in uh, effective and impactful for the kingdom of God. That's why we need the word of God. So throughout, thank you, Craig. Throughout life, there are many in-between moments, right? For example, you've heard this before, the dash in the in-between life and death, right? There's that dash. There's you were born here. Well, you're still alive, so you got the dash happening. And you're living in the dash right now. You're making a, a difference in the dash right now. Your death date hasn't been determined yet. Well, God knows when it is. You don't. Then there's the time spent in the in-between birth and coming to Christ in salvation. When, before, I know I had a BC time. Before I came to Jesus, I was not a, where I am now. <laughs> and many, all of us can say the same thing, right? We, there was a BC time. There was a time when you didn't know Jesus. I, I was telling someone after first service, I said to them, I said, I remember when I went to my 20th high school reunion. And uh, I, I went there. It had been 20 years since I'd seen probably 99% of those people in that room that day. And uh, they saw the change in me from when I was in high school. I won't tell you what I was. But let's just say they did vote me change the most. Yeah, they did. Change the most. Dan, what happened to you? Jesus. Oh. <laughs> oh. Then there's the in-between hearing a word from God and fulfillment. Many of you in here have had a prophetic word spoken over you or you were reading through the word of God and something was revealed to you and, and you're still waiting on that word and waiting on that word and waiting on that word for the fulfillment. Just hang in there, right? You're living in that in-between moment. Then there's the in-between, the in-between one event to another. For example, there's been lots of events that have happened this past year like um, her voice conference, and there's the men's conference, there's been mission trips, there's been the Isaiah 61 conference that took place, and then there's other events, events, events that have happened throughout the year, right? But then how many of you know there's time in between events, right? 
There's the, for example, there's the six days between Sunday to Sunday. So, Dan, what do you mean by the in-between? What do you do in the in-between? Now, look at this quote taken from Paul Scanlon's book, Events Versus Process. However momentous the events in your life, they will only enrich your whole life as part of a process. Now, I'll never forget, and Pastor, I don't know if you remember, but there was a conference, MFI had a conference, and Paul Scanlon was one of the speakers. And I, I wasn't sure which class I wanted to go to, and I thought, well, I'm just going to go to this one. So I kind of popped in the back door and sat down. And as soon as I sat down, I was instantly brought into an understanding of the difference between an event and a process. And I, thought, I really like the way this guy thinks. I bought the book, and from that day till this, this is over 20-something years ago, I'll never forget that event that helped me create a process in my life so that I can succeed in my faith in Christ. There's nothing worse than a believer who starts out and crashes and burns because it's not just your life that's impacted when you do. It's those who are watching you who also have a problem because you crashed and burned because your life means something. People want you to succeed, believe it or not. They do, and it's necessary. So I've got to be intentional with my faith walk in the in-between moments, days, weeks, years. I've got to be intentional with my faith. So throughout the word of God from Genesis all the way through to Revelation, there are stories of in-between moments. There's the creation, and then there's the years in between. Then there was the fall of man, and then there was because of the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3 where God already had a plan in place to intentionally create redemptive thread Jesus Christ from Genesis to Revelation. There's moments in between. Then there's the promises made. Then there's the instructions given. Then there's the journeys taken. There's challenges confronted. Have any of you ever had a challenge? Twelve of us. We've all had challenges. Then there's directions shown. Then there's battles won. There's battles lost. There's faith that is tested. Now, now I think about it. This really cracks me up. How many of you ever prayed, God, I want to have an enduring spirit? Have you ever prayed that? (laughs) I want to have an overcoming spirit. Well, how do you think you get that? It just doesn't magically drop in your heart, folks. It comes through tests, situations that you go through that are going to encounter your life that you're going to go through to become who you just prayed you wanted to be. Then there's discouragement experience. Then there's days, months, years, decades, centuries that pass. Promises fulfilled, and then there's promises waiting to be And yet in all of these stories, in all of these scenarios, there is something or someone that empowered them to live in the in-between. So what do you you mean by live in the in-between? I want you to venture with me back about 4,000 years. Some of you may remember. (laughs) You're 75 years old. 
more than likely you've been married for many years, uh, no children to show for it. Your wife is 65 years old, beautiful as the day that you married her, beauty has not produced a child. You're living life the best you know how with what you know, and in the midst of that whole scenario, the God of your father speaks to you, and let's jump into the story. In Genesis 12, 1 to 3, here's what it says. Now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Now pause for just a second. Think about that for just a minute. God speaks to you in this voice and says, I know you got family here, but I want to pick you up and move you out and plop you somewhere. And he doesn't tell you where you're going. Now, do you think maybe it might take a little bit of faith to make that journey? Yeah. Well, Abraham, we're, we're calling U-Haul. Why? <laughs> to go where? What do you mean you don't know where? Now, I could just picture that with my wife. And she's going, really? <laughs> you don't know where we're going, but we're going somewhere. You're being called to move from the familiar to the unfamiliar. You're 75 years of age. Your wife is 65, so it's obvious that after this amount of time, you're not going to have children. And then God says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and, you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now think about this, Abraham and Sarah, month after month after year after decade and decades passed, waited to be blessed with a child, not knowing the plan of God. They did not know the. Now we read the story and we think, come on, buck up, Abraham. Don't you know the end? No. <laughs> right? I mean, many of us have stories that have started, but we don't know where they're going to end. We just know God's in it. Right? So. Then the Lord shows up and promises that they'll become a great nation. And the first thought I have, here I am, 75 years old. My sweetheart is 65. And I'm thinking, um, God, can we just start with one? That's all. Just start with one. One. I, I just asked for one. And you're telling me I'm going to be a great nation? In order for that to happen, you got to start somewhere. Father, let me encourage you in this. <laughs> have you ever tried to encourage God in something? Let me know how that goes. Now, little did they realize that at that word would take 25 years to fulfill. 25. 25 years. And here we are. God, you gave me that word. May it come to pass. I know it was yesterday, but <laughs> now. Not that we're impatient or anything. Abraham is now 100, and Sarah is 90. Having a baby, changing diapers, oh boy. And I'm thinking, no, my wife's going, no. <laughs> Empty nest is fine with us. So what do you do in the in-between? Number one, here we go, number one. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Look at this scripture in Romans 1.17 or in it, now let me stop there a quick second here, for in it, notice it says for in it, that's in reference to verse 16, 17 comes after 16 in this regard, 
so you know. And it says, in regards to the gospel of Jesus Christ, is the power of God that leads to salvation. So what he's saying is, in it, in the gospel, which is the power of God, in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Folks, that's how we live this Christian walk is by faith. That means many times you're walking in faith of what you know on the inside, but everything around you doesn't look like it's going that direction. And you've got to be okay with that. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8, it's the roll call of the heroes of faith. In verse 8, it says this, speaking of Abraham, he says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, watch this, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents that Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise, for he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker and God. In other words, the place he was going was not his final destination. And then there's Sarah. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Now, how many of you know that in that journey that we're talking about, it was not smooth sailing for 25 years? I mean, could you imagine? You're on a drive one day with your 65-year-old, well, I could do that because I'm a man. I'm with my 65-year-old wife and on our way to the thriving metropolis of Cosmopolis to have Chinese food. And I said, listen, kind of interesting people in Cosmopolis, so be careful. And when we're eating, if someone approaches us, you're my sister. If anyone asks, because you're gorgeous, and they just might ask for you, and I want to live. So you're going to do me this favor, right? She looks and says, what are you thinking? Now, how many of you know every now and again, stupid steps in? And that's exactly what happened to Abraham. Stupid stepped in, and he gave his wife away. I don't know how many marriages would be able to survive something like that. I know my wife would say, you are out of your ever-loving mind, <laughs> right? But stupid stepped in again because he gave her away twice, twice. Could you? No, don't. Don't imagine. Twice. It's amazing. But then stupid stepped in again, right? So we got two times he gave his wife away. And then Sarah comes up with this brilliant idea. We're going to help God. How many of you know that when God speaks a word, you don't need to help him? Just follow along in that word and watch what God does. And she says, hey, you know, obviously, sweetheart, this isn't happening. So Hagar is perfect. Let's create it. Let's do this. Now, I, can't, I don't know how much Abraham fought her on that one. <laughs> I won't even go there. However, stupid stepped in, he did, they did, and here we are, and an Ishmael was born, 
Anytime you do anything in the flesh, you're creating an Ishmael. I don't know about you. I don't want Ishmaels in my life. And so I'm just going to go with the plan of God. Now, God's plan still came about, but now there's Ishmaels. There's a work of the flesh, right? And if you look in Scripture in the New Testament, it talks about there was the work of the flesh and there was the work of the Spirit. There was the work of the Spirit in Sarah and there was the work of the flesh in Hagar, right? The plan of God. So we are empowered to live in the in-between by faith. By faith, that's how we do it. We've got to go with God, what God says, not with what the circumstances dictate, right? We've got to go with what God says and not create Ishmael's. Well, God promised me a man and, and I'm just going to make it happen. Really? I know, Pastor Doug and Lois are going, oh, I've heard that one before. How many times have we heard that over and over? It's like, don't go there. Don't go there. You don't want to do that. Next thing you know, you got Ishmael's. I'll stop. Number two, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In Romans 10, 17, it says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, I want you to notice something with me. Notice in, in the Bible there, it says faith comes by hearing and hearing. It doesn't say faith comes by having heard, right? It's not past tense. It's present tense, present continuous tense. In other words, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing dot, 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 the word of God, which means we should be constantly getting into the word of God and not be caught in that situation where, oh, it's been two weeks since I've seen my Bible. And listen, another thing you cannot do is say, well, I heard the word a week ago in service. You need to get the word for yourself. That's free. Amen. Abraham, over that, now listen to this. Even though he had stupid step in a couple times, over 25 years he had to keep reminding himself of the word that God spoke to him rehearsing it in his thoughts, speaking it to his wife, and refusing to let it go. God said, we're going to have a nation out of us. I don't know how it's going to happen, Sarah, but it's going to happen. So we're empowered to live in the in-between by hearing and hearing the word of God. Now look at this scripture in 2 Timothy 2.15. It says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God a workman that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, way, 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 way back, I memorized the scripture in the King James, and it says it a little bit differently. And it says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. In other words, believers in this house, study the word of God. Study, get into the word so the word gets into you so you know what you believe. You, we need to hear that. That's something our pastors tell us all the time is get in the word of God so that the word of God gets into you. So when that precious pressure moment comes in and squeezes you, the word comes out. So when you get a word from God, what you need to do, and, and let me just stop here just a quick second. When you get, you're reading through the word and something pops off, off the page at you, 
Underline it. Look at it. Read it again. Meditate on it. Speak it over and over and over because the Holy Spirit is speaking something to you because you're going to need it. The word in Psalms 1 talks about the word meditation. And when it talks about that word meditation, it's a word that we need to get back from those who stole it from us because it's actually a term for believers is that we ponder it, we think it, we rehash it, we chew on it, we bring it in and we chew it, we swallow it, we take it down and then at some point it comes back up and we think about it and we ponder it and we chew on it again and we swallow it back down. Over and over, it's like the, the cow chewing the cud. And that's all what this is about is we rehearse it, we rehear it, we re- rehash it, we rethink it. Because that word is going to be the word that's going to be necessary for you in a day to come. And the Holy Spirit will have some resources to pull out of you to face that situation. Do you remember the story of Jesus when he went into the desert? What was his term when he said, when the enemy came at him and, and uh, said, if you are? He said, it is written. It, now, if Jesus needed to do that, I think we do too. When the enemy comes along, just, whoa, time out here. It is written. It is written. So we are empowered to live in the in-between by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Number three, the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us into all truth. He leads us. And guides us into all truth, doesn't he? It is so cool when the Holy Spirit speaks a word to you and you know it's true. For example, he may come along and say, go to, and he'll give you an address of a scripture and you go there and it's, wow, it's exactly what I needed. How did he know that? Well, he's God. (laughs) Now, I cannot overemphasize the importance of the Holy Spirit. So look at Matthew 4. I want you to see what happened right after. In chapter 3, Jesus went and got baptized in the Jordan River. He got baptized by John. The Holy Spirit came upon him. It was a glorious day. And then, verse 1 of Matthew 4, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Oh, that's fun. (laughs) You get this word and then you get tempted. Isn't that interesting? He gets filled And then he gets tempted. But guess what? He's now been super empowered to overcome what the enemy is going to bring against him. It says the same thing in Luke 4, 1. And Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, you'll remember what happened out there. And he kept saying, he kept coming at the... He did. Now, here's what we got to get used to as a body of believers is your emotion is not going to kill what the enemy's trying to bring against you. You can just go, I don't like that. And guess what? The enemy's going to go get used to it. And you're going to finally say, it is written. And he's going to step back. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Right? That's what Scripture says. Now, John 14 And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Aren't you glad? 
He's making a way. Now, get ourselves in context here. Think about what's going on. Jesus has told them over and over and over again, I'm going away. Could you imagine? They'd been with, he'd been with them for three and a half years. They kind of got used to hanging around with him. They kind of got used to the miracle signs and the wonders. They got used to seeing amazing things. You know, walking on water is pretty interesting, don't you think? Then the leper gets healed, and then the blind are seeing, and the deaf are hearing, and those that can't speak all of a sudden begin to speak, and we're seeing all these miracle signs and wonders, and now this guy is saying he's going away. Oh, no, you don't. We kind of like having you hang around. And he says, I've got to go. Because when I go, I will send the Spirit to dwell inside of you. And everywhere you go, the Spirit will be with you. Now watch this. Chapter 14. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Not some things, but all things. 1526 of John. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father... The spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Now, let's, let's take this here. As much as it was important for Abraham to be patient for the promise of a son, he was led by the Spirit of God and learned to live in the in-between. As much as it's been important for the nation of Israel to be patient for the promise of the Savior, they had to learn to live in the in-between, continuously going to God until the promise was fulfilled. And as much as it was important for the disciples to heed the parting words of Jesus. Now here, we got to get this in. Watch this. Luke 24, 44. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem, until you are endued with power from on high. Are you getting this? Listen, Jesus was crucified, right? Dead and buried, rose the third day, and kept all of a sudden showing up over a 40-day time frame. He'd show up at one place, he'd show up at another place, and the records haven't recorded all the places he showed up, but in that 40-day time frame, I guarantee you he showed up a lot in people's lives in that 40-day time frame. But then on the mountain when he ascended, his word to them was, tarry until the promise comes. Oh, goody, let's go back. We'll pray for a few minutes and the promise will come. Is that what happened? No. They had the sheer gift of waiting. Ten days. They had no idea it was going to happen on the day of Pentecost. But it did, and aren't they glad they waited? Because on that day when the power came upon them, 3,000 people got saved because they waited. Now, let me just say this. This isn't a Pentecostal charismatic thing, right? I mean, there's a tendency, oh, he's talking about that Holy Spirit, you know, that one that freaks us out. We never know what he's going to do. The Holy Spirit helps you in every situation. You just got to let him in. Now, look at what happened. He said it again in Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
That's why we're filled with the Holy Spirit is so we can be his witnesses because what's really cool about when you're following the lead of the Holy Spirit is the insight he gives you in situations you know nothing about. Where you're talking with somebody and the Holy Spirit drops something through you to them and it's a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom and you give it to them and they go, how in the world did you know that? Well, the Holy Spirit led you. That's what's so much fun about allowing the Holy Spirit to be the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, look at uh, Romans 8, 14. It says, for as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons or daughters or children of God. When you're led by the Spirit, that's the fact that you are a child of the King. Now, all of this is really important because if there was ever a time for us to recognize that we have been empowered to live in between the in-between, it's now. It's easy to live in the height of the anointing, the presence of God. Come out of a spirit-filled event, for example. But what do you do when the event is over? When emotions wane, when the reality of everyday life hits? How do we live in between the Her Voice Conference, for example, or the men's conference, or live in the in-between mission trip events, or live in the in-between of Isaiah 61, or live in between Sunday to Sunday? How, how, how do we do that? If there's one thing that is so discouraging for us, and I know our pastors are discouraged when, when someone's just flying high, and next thing you know, we don't see them because they did not know how to live in the in-between. It says, here we go, look at this. It says, determine to never let your attitude prevent your simple obedience to the gentle whispers God brings into your life as part of the ongoing process of your Christian life. If there's ever anything that I could download to you right now that is recognize that from event to event, there's in-between moments that you have to learn to live in those moments of your life. We're empowered to live, excuse me. <clears throat> We're empowered to live in the in-between by developing an ongoing daily relationship with the Holy Spirit. Notice I said daily relationship with the Holy Spirit. So here's some parting thoughts. The goal of this house as pastors and elders and leaders, is to equip every person to succeed in their faith. That's our deepest desire is to see people succeed and to find their purpose so that they can expand the kingdom beyond their cells. So that you will all be successfully empowered to live in the in-between. That is why we do what we do around here. That is why we provide amazing services around here, the inspired Sunday messages, bold anointed worship, incredible equip classes, and fabulous fresh start classes. That's why we have children's ministries and youth ministries and men's ministries and women's ministries and city group ministries and other ministries that haven't been found yet, but they're in the hearts of some of you out there. We're just waiting for you to step up and find your purpose and do it. Then there's outreach, there's missions, there's families serving families, there's drive-through prayer, and there's, there's other kinds of outreach ministries that are coming. Just hang in there. We're waiting for that person to recognize the call and step up and say, I can do this in Jesus' name. Then there's Monday night prayer on Facebook. Then there's Wednesday night in-person prayer. All these things are to help you and to equip you to be successful in your faith. You are empowered to live in the in-between. Now, I want to close with a story 
that I heard this past week, and it is so fitting for the message for today. And I want you just to sit back and let this, let this occur to you. With this in mind, let's just say that what we think we know is normal now, what would happen if normal were completely removed? What would we do? With that in mind, I want to read this story. Many years ago, the Lord asked me a question. Son, if you're giving, given 30 people to minister to their lives for 30 days, and they will be separated from all Christian influences for the next 30 years, what will you tell them in 30 days will, that will help them not to derail in 30 years? Let me stop there. I'm, my thought is, our thought is, I just want to give them enough to make it through the week. Right? He said, I said, what am I going to tell them? Thinking of what to say, I said, Lord, I don't know. What are you going to tell them? The Lord said, I will tell them what I told my disciples when I left. I will talk to them about the Holy Spirit. If you are separated from every Christian influence, but you have the Holy Spirit and know him, you will get home safe and sound. Think about that. Let's stand. Let's just close ourselves in with God for just a moment. And I want you to think about that word. If there's one word that God would give you today that would help you for the next week, the next month, the next year, think about what that would be. And make it a decision that you're going to hang on to that word, whatever it might be. while you're thinking about that word, believers, for those of you who are in this house today, you, maybe this is the first time you've been to church in a long time, you kind of walked away, or maybe this is the first time. Someone invited you this morning and said, well, I'll give it a shot. Well, here you are but you've not said yes to Jesus or maybe you did a long time ago and you fell away and you say, today's the day. I want to just get back in. I want to get right with God and that's you. All over the house. If you just signify, you know, I want to say yes to Jesus. I just want you to lift up your hand and just lift it up high so I can see all over the house. Anyone? Okay. Anyone else? Come on. Anyone else saying yes to Jesus? Yes to Jesus. Okay, good. Anyone else? That's awesome. Good. Excellent. Three, four. Excellent. Good. Yes. Sod. Awesome. God is good, isn't he? God is good. Yeah, we just stole another one out of hell. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. So we're going to pray this prayer together as a house of believers. And uh, it's not magical. It's not a formula. It's just simply you're saying yes to Jesus. We're going to pray this as a family today. So let's pray this together. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I need you in my life. I thank you for saving me. I say yes to you today. I accept you as my Savior. I accept you as my Lord. I accept you as my boss and the King. I thank you for being my friend. 
and forgiving me of all of my sin. I say yes to all you have for me in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's give God a hand. God is good. Let's have the uh, prayer team come on up. We're going to pray. If, if you want prayer, uh, we want to pray for you. If there's some things you're going through, we want to believe God for you.